I was thinking this week in preparing for this message, um, I've had a couple injuries in my lifetime and uh, one somewhat recently, and I've received encouragement from others that have caused me to not be so down in the mouth or sad and down in the dumps, as they say, about what's happened to me. Because an encouragement can lift your spirit and take you to another place. And so today, that's what my hope is as we continue this series. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 9 and just get there in your Bibles. We're going to read quite a bit of scripture today. Um, But I want to remind you, if you haven't been with us for the last couple weeks, Jericho, we covered Jericho. Um, It was the first victory in the promised land. Then we covered another city called Ai, and there was disobedience by the Israelites before they went to battle at Ai, and they got defeated. So we talked about rising above defeat. Now in Joshua chapter 9, the Bible tells us that the Israelites are deceived into making a covenant or making a promise with another group of people. And the Lord actually holds the Israelites responsible to that promise. It's an interesting, interesting story. And I think it'll give us some encouragement for our journey. The title of my message today is Consult the Lord. I don't know if you recognize and realize, but there are many different ways that people try to figure out the answer or the help they need for the decisions in this life. Uh, with the advancement of the internet over the last 20, 30 years, uh, all you have to do if you can't remember the, the conversion of ounces to cups is just Google it. You just look it up, right? Um, if you, if you need help with something, there's help at the tip of your finger, literally. And I think for what it's worth, we have become spoiled in thinking that we can get all the help we need right here, right now, instead of being patient and waiting for an answer. And so today the story that we'll read in Joshua chapter 9 talks about something very strange and interesting. Um, And it says this in verse 1. It says, As soon as all the kings who were beyond the Jordan, which is the river, in the hill country and in the lowland, all along the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon... And then it lists a group of groups. It says the Hittites, Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites heard of this. Verse 2, they gathered together as one army to fight against Joshua and Israel. So look up at me and, and hear me. There's an alliance that's been formed by the enemies who are in the land that God says he's giving to the Israelites. These people further down the road have heard what God did in Jericho, heard about what happened in Ai, and the word of God's victory or his helping his people has gone before them. Travelers that have come through have shared it and said, did you know there's this group of crazy, wacky people that think that God's going to give them your land? And then everybody gets all fearful and says, you know what? Hey, um, I know we don't really get along, but let's join together and let's get ready to fight the Israelites when they come. So that's what's happening. It says there in verse 3, But when the inhabitants of Gibeon learned what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they on their part 
acted with cunning. Another way to read that is with deceit or deceitfulness. And they went and made ready provisions, and they took worn-out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins that had been worn out and torn and mended with worn-out patched sandals on their feet and worn-out clothes. And all their provisions were dry and crumbly. Provisions is another word for food. Verse 6, And they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal, and they said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country, so now make a covenant with us. Verse 7 says, But the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you live among us. Then how can we make a covenant with you? Verse 8, They said to Joshua, We are your servants. Joshua said to them, Who are you? Where did you come from? They said to him, From a very distant country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God, For we've heard a report of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth. Verse 11, so our elders and all the inhabitants of our country said to us, take food, take provisions in your hand for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Come now and make a covenant with us. Verse 12, here is our bread. It was warm when we got it out of our oven (laughs) for the journey and set out to come to you, but now behold, it's dry and crumbly. Verse 13, these wineskins, and you'll remember from recent messages, a wineskin, kind of like a canteen, okay? These wineskins were new when we filled them, and behold, they've burst. These garments and sandals of ours are worn out from the very long journey. Can you just imagine the dramatic telling of this, right? Verse 14, so the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. Verse 15, and Joshua made peace with them, and he made a covenant with them to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore That means swore an oath they agreed with the covenant that Joshua was making with them. So Joshua and the people, the elders of the people, you can look up from your scripture for a moment. He made a covenant with these people, not understanding and recognizing the fact that they literally lived in two and three cities away. That would be like somebody from Madison coming to Clinton with some worn out, tattered clothes and being like, I've gone on such a long journey and I'm here and oh, bless me, we'll be your servants. Because they chose, they wanted to live rather than die and they thought to live as servants would be better than death. Go back to verse 14. There is something to be found in the word of God every single time you look at it, every time you hear it. I want you to read verse 14 again. In other versions, it says that the men sampled their food. So they tried to test their food to see if it really was crumbly and dry bread and that kind of thing. They took a bite out of it, but they did not ask counsel from the Lord. They didn't consult the Lord. 
And so I've thought about this as we've been going through this series. And I thought, you know, an encouragement for the journey as we are walking this life in the decisions that we face from day to day, as well as the very big ones, we as people who call ourselves Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, need to be people who have been practicing consulting with God. We need to be those who don't just go our own way and make a decision and choose what we want, but we need to be those who lean on the Lord and ask for his help. The story continues in verse 16. It says, At the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, they heard that they were their neighbors and that they lived among them. Verse 17, And the people of Israel set out and reached their cities on the third day. If you started walking today at a normal pace, you'd probably make it as far as maybe Gluckstadt in two or three days. Canton, maybe, okay? That's the distance that we're talking about. And it says they reached the cities that these people had lived in on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and these other names that I'm not gonna embarrass myself with. Verse 18 says this, but the people of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then all the congregation murmured, that is what children do, complained. (laughs) That is what you do too, right? It's what adults do, right? We all do it. They murmured against the leaders. Verse 19, but all the leaders said to the congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we may not touch them. We can't kill them. This we will do to them. We will let them live, let wrath, lest wrath be upon us, because of the oath that we swore to them. Verse 21, And the leader said to them, Let them live. So they became cutters of wood and drawers of water for all the congregation, just as the leaders had said of them. So they really did become servants of the Israelite people. And Joshua and the leaders chose to give them hard work to do for the rest of their lives. But they had their lives and they were still alive. Verse 22 and following tells us that Joshua confronts the Gibeonites and he asks them, why did you deceive us? Saying, we live very far from you when you dwell here among us. Look at what it says in verse 23. Now therefore you are cursed and some of you shall never be anything but servants the cutters of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. They answered Joshua, because it was told to your servants for a certainty that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. So we feared greatly for our lives because of you. And we did this thing. Verse 25, and now behold, we are in your hand. Whatever seems good and right in your sight to do to us, do it. So he did this to them and delivered them out of the hand of the people of Israel, and they did not kill them. But Joshua made them that day cutters of wood, drawers of water for the congregation, for the altar of the Lord, to this day in the place that he should choose. I don't know if you've ever tried to cut wood with an axe. It's hard work. I don't know if you've ever tried to carry a bucket of water that's large. It's hard work. They had to do hard work for the rest of their lives. 
Now, don't be confused, and I'll help you with this. You can do some biblical study on it. The Bible, at some point in Joshua chapter 9, refers to them as Hivites and then refers to them as Gibeonites. They are people from clans in the same general area. So I'm just going to call them Gibeonites for the day. But uh, they have a special place in Scripture. And even in the family of God, which is very interesting when you try to wrap your theology around that, that they got into the family of God through deceit, and God honored the fact that his people made a promise, and they were going to keep it. The Gibeonites survived as slaves, and the Bible tells us in Joshua 21, you don't have to go there, but it says in Joshua chapter 21 that when the land started being divided up among the people, that the land of Gibeon, the Gibeonites, was allotted to the tribe of Benjamin. King Saul, if you fast forward in time, they've lived now in the promised land. They've decided we need a king. God says, regretfully, we'll give, I'll give you a king. You can have a king. And so they get King Saul. King Saul was a man not after God's own heart. He was a man full of pride and deceit himself. The Bible says that he broke the treaty. Listen to me. Don't tap out just yet. The Bible says King Saul years later broke the treaty that Joshua had made with the Gibeonites. So when he broke that treaty, he attacked the Gibeonites. And then later during the time of King David, if you look in 2 Samuel and you read in 2 Samuel chapter 21, a famine occurs in Israel and King David, to use just a phrase is pulling his hair out going, God, what is going on? There's a famine. What have we done? What is happening? And this is what God says to him in second Samuel 21, one, there was a famine in the days of David for three years consecutive. So year after year, and David sought the face of the Lord. That's another way to say he consulted the Lord. And the Lord replied and said, there is blood on Saul and on his house because he put the Gibeonite, Gibeonites to death. God was honoring that covenant years and years later. In order to appease God as well as the Gibeonites, the Bible says that seven descendants of Saul were given as an offering to the Gibeonites so that they could sacrifice the seven family members of Saul. It says in verse 14 of chapter 21 in 2 Samuel. I love this phrase. It says, and after that, God responded to the plea for the land. So once the wrong had been made right, in the way that it, it was possible to do so, then it says God moved in the lives of the Israelites. He healed their land and literally helped crops grow, famine was gone, food, provision, everything was restored. Can you think of a time in your life when you didn't consult the Lord and you experienced consequences? I think all of us, if we took just a minute, could probably get to the place where we could remember quickly what decision that was. I know that when my wife and I face decisions to make, she'll often ask me, 
and I'll tell you kind of what I think and then what I say to her, but what I think. Um, she'll ask me and say, well, honey, what has the Lord told you? And I, I want to look at her and say, what has God told you? <laughs> he can speak to you too, okay? No, but she'll ask me that question because she really does want to know. As we're praying about something, fasting about something, we want to know what God's will is. I've joked about it before. God doesn't care if you drank orange juice, apple juice, or milk this morning. So don't spend 20 minutes in front of the fridge wasting the energy and the light. Holy Spirit, lead me. Should I? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the selling of a house. We're talking about relocation. We're talking about children. We're talking about life decisions. We're talking about the partner that you're going to be married to. We're going to, we're, we're going to want to consult the Lord about all of the big things in our life because he loves us, created us with a purpose, and he has a plan. They used to consult the Lord in different ways. And so in my study of scripture, I came up with just a handful. There's some interesting ones, if you'll put that up. They used to consult the Lord in the Old Testament with something called the Urim and the Thummim. If you look that up and do a little bit of study and research, God allowed the breastplate of the priest to have basically a little pocket. And inside of that pocket were items that were used in consulting the Lord. You say, well, pastor, that sounds weird. Well, it was a little bit strange. If you do some research about it, they're not really certain if it was a pair of stones. How many of you have ever played with an eight ball that you bought it like as a kid with the answers inside, you know, and you flip it and you're like, does she like me? (laughs) Maybe, you know, things like that. Um, So you play with the eight ball. Okay, so think about that but it was okayed or approved by God that the priest had these items that he would either cast or put down. And they say it could be possible one of them had basically what would be the equivalent of a yes and one would have the equivalent and the other side would have an equivalent of a no. If you got a yes and a no when you threw it, then you were in undecided. If you got two yeses, it was confirmed. If you got two no's, it was confirmed. The Bible talks about it in several different places there, but there's not much definition. Some theologians say it could have had letters on it, um, on those items that were inside of the breastplate. Um, that would have indicated an answer to the question, or they could have been two die-like objects. And so if they came up the same mark when they got cast, there would be a different uh, decision to make or a different uh, solution. So this is strange, but this is one of the ways that God allowed them to consult the Lord. He allowed them to be able to have tools to consult the Lord. Also, the casting of lots. This is an interesting thing. It still happened in the New Testament in picking leaders for churches. And if you've ever heard about drawing the last straw or things like that, basically, if you could imagine a cup that had straws inside of it, probably straws of hay, not plastic or the new nasty paper straws. Anyway, and one of them was cut short. So when you say, oh, I got the short straw on this one, I mean, well, you got to deal with it, right? You're the one that got picked. So they casted lots in the Bible, and God actually used that. 
you say, well, how is that possible? Because like that's left to chance. That's left to uh, just a random set of math ratios of how many people are going to pick. God still used it, and he used it even in the New Testament to be able to pick leaders, supportive leaders in the church. In fact, I know of a mega church that I am friends with some of the people on staff there, and my, some of my family has served on staff there in the Northeast, and they still to this day in that large multi-million dollar amazing mega church with like 10 campuses, they still pick their board members with the casting of lots. Crazy that you would leave something like that to chance. The other words here, prayer. They would pray. They, at that point, they would trust that the priest would go in, he'd offer the sacrifice and come back with an answer. They trusted priests and they trusted prophets, those who would, who would have had a special relationship with God. You know, sometimes people actually come to me and ask me, what do I think they should do? My first question that I ask them is, what has God told you? Because God can speak to you just as well as he can speak to me. I think sometimes we get things out of sync and we start looking for the answer quickly. In fact, we might be tempted to take an eight ball, a magic eight ball, and shake it up and look at the answer about whether we should do this or do that. But God wants to be consulted in your life for the major decisions that you face because he has a right to be consulted and because your life will be better when you follow his will over your will. It will not be more convenient, I can near guarantee it will be harder to follow God's will than your will because you don't choose hard. If given the chance and you had a box that said hard and a box that said easy, literally you would pick the box that said easy every time. We all would do that. God's ways are not our ways, the word of God says. And so his, his timing is different than ours. His direction is different than ours. But these are some of the ways that people in the Old Testament and a little bit in the New Testament would seek or consult the Lord. I want to share with you how you should consult the Lord. Because on this journey in our faith, on this journey of life, children, school, decisions, future, all those things, here are some ways that you should consult the Lord. The first is through prayer and fasting. You say, Pastor, that whole fasting thing, that's like skipping food, right? I don't want to do that. The Bible says that we should. <laughs> okay, it's not going to kill you. Um, again, we always give the medical caveat. If you're on medications or anything like that, you have any type of health condition, talk to your doctor before you choose to do something like that. But I'm going to tell you, there is a benefit, not just physically, there is a benefit mentally and spiritually when you don't eat the food that your body needs, and you instead take time in God's presence. So the Bible tells us that we are to pray, that we're to pray without ceasing, that when we're faced with difficulties, we should pray, that we should seek the Lord. And here's what we tell you at Celebrate Church. We think that you should seek the Lord not just in the bad times. <clears throat> Hello, right? The psalmist says, oh, my soul, I'm worn down. I'm facing something difficult. Please help me. 
And that sometimes might be the only sort of time that you and I spend time with God because we're, we've gotten ourselves stuck and we need a way out and we know he's a way maker. So we cry out to God. But if we talk to him on a daily basis through prayer, there's a chance he could help you avoid getting stuck. <laughs> Hello? Amen? I'm going to amen myself. Okay, God's word. How can you consult the Lord? God's word. I don't want to, in fact, I want to simplify things. I think many believers, and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about your friends that go to other churches, okay? I think many believers over-spiritualize some things, and then lots of believers under-spiritualize things, and they only want to pick one of these, I just want to pray right now, Lord, give me the direction. And if he doesn't answer, I'm going to walk my way. I don't want to spend days studying God's word. I don't want to skip a meal. I don't want to do those things, right? So we have to be careful and make sure that we understand that God's word truly is, as the Bible calls it, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That knowing that God's word has been written for my benefit, it can help you avoid a lot of bad things in your life. And it can lead you into a lot of good things in your life. The other thing that we need to consult the Lord is the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Holy Spirit. I am such a believer in this. And I don't think I'm kooky and weird If you think so, maybe you shouldn't come back next week, but I hope you do um, come back. I think the Holy Spirit still speaks. I'm crazy enough and I have faith enough to believe that he's still speaking and he doesn't just talk to somebody who went to seminary or who studied the Bible all week. He speaks to sinners He speaks to saints. He speaks to his kids. He speaks to God's kids because he wants you to hear his voice. So we pray at the end of almost every service. And I encourage you not to let this become a ritual or religious sort of thing or something you just throw the words out there. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Not, what are you saying to Sally? I sure hope you talk to Sally about what she's been into these days. No, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Help me, right? So the Holy Spirit's voice is another way that we can consult the Lord. And then spiritual authorities, the voices of spiritual authorities. Now, I am not talking about Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin. I'm not talking about Billy Graham, I'm not stepping on anybody's toes, whatever the guy is that wrote the blood moon stuff. I'm not talking about any of those people. I'm talking about your spiritual leaders in your life, like the leader of a small group, your Sunday school, your pastor, his wife, those who lead ministries in the church, those who you have relationship with. Because here's the point. Look at me and listen. We love you. And the Bible tells me that I will be held to account for everything. He's going to hold all of us to account. But the Bible says there is a higher level of accountability for those in leadership in the church. And so I dare not just flippantly say, sure, Jericho, sell your house. 
No, I'm going to say, well, what has the Lord told you? Did God, okay, he hasn't. I'll be praying with you and fasting. Okay, I'll seek the Lord with you. You start reading his word. Okay, let's come back together and let's talk, you and Eric. And let me, I'll see if God speaks something to me that's a word of confirmation or a word that says, stop. And we skip some of these because we just don't like them. Right? We do. But God's given us all of these as options for us to consult him. Jesus said, when you fast. Jesus said, as you pray, pray like this. The whole idea, the concept of God's word being passed down for generations. 66 books over 14 or 1500 years compiled together, all saying the same thing, is a miracle unlike anything else here on this world in this earth and it's for your benefit and for mine so what god says in his word about peace or about chaos or about marriage or about work or about finance or about any of those things that's important also listening to the holy spirit's voice and then finally talking to those who have an authority in your life saying hey listen i'm about to make this decision and you can do that too Miss Sandra could come to me and say, Pastor, I have prayed, I have fasted, I feel confirmation from the Lord that I need to do this. But Pastor, would you ask the Lord and would you believe in prayer with me for the next couple days? I don't want to step out of God's will. I want another confirmation that God will do what he's going to do. Anybody remember the story of Gideon? There's amazing stories about seeking the Lord and doing it right. And Joshua royally screwed it up. He royally messed it up because he said, well, let me just taste some of your old crackers and see if you really did come from a far off country. And it says he did not consult the Lord. Far be it from me to say, woe is Joshua. Because me, myself and I have messed up too. You have messed up too. In not consulting the Lord. So this is the encouragement for the journey that you're on. Consult the Lord. Listen to these rapid fire verses of scripture. Not all of them were given to Christine. So please don't freak out at me. Okay. In the back or up in the front. Because she's taking notes. Write down Deuteronomy 4.29. The word of the Lord says. But from there you will seek the Lord. Talking about the house of the Lord. You will seek the Lord your God. And you will find him. If you search for him with all your heart and with all your soul. Don't tell me that God doesn't speak and that God doesn't want to be known because he does. He wants to be known by you. In fact, he promises it dozens and dozens of times to the Israelites and then to the adoptees, us as adoptive kids into the family. I will write my, I will give them a new heart and a new spirit. I'll write my words in their heart. He wants to guide us. First Chronicles 16, 11, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Second Chronicles 16, 12, King Asa, he was, um, he was having an issue. We're not sure, theologians are not sure if he had gout or if he had diabetes. He had an issue with his feet. The Bible says he had a disease in his feet. And you listen to me this morning. It says, and his disease became severe, yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord. He only sought physicians. 
That's the word of God. So pastor, are you anti-doctor? No, I'm needing surgery. I believe in them. I take medicine too, just like you. But hear me when I say, I will receive prayer from any one of you that says, pastor, can I pray for your shoulder for comfort from the pain or complete healing that God would do it? I'm believing that he can do it. I'm still walking the process I know to walk. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16 that God was not sought, that only the help of others was sought. Second Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat, he was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Psalm 34 says this, young lions suffer want and hunger. In other words, it's hard to come by the food that they need. It says, but those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. Let me say it again, because a few of you got excited, but all of us need to really hear this. Psalm 3410 says this, the animals, the king of the jungle, the baby lions have to wait for their food and they've got to seek it out. And sometimes they go hungry. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. There's not a typo there, y'all. This is God's word that if you consult him, you will lack no good thing in your life. Psalm 77 verse 1, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without getting tired. My soul refuses to be comforted. Psalm 105.4 repeats what Chronicles says. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Look at what Psalm 37 says. And we'll have these verses on the screen. Psalm 37 says this. Trust in the Lord and do good in verse 3. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Listen to me, church. If you consult the Lord, you can get what you want. You say, pastor, hold on. That sounded a whole lot like prosperity message. Listen, I'm reading the Bible just like you are. It says that those who delight themselves in the Lord, he'll give me the desires of my heart. I desire a healthy marriage. I desire a new job, whatever the case may be. I desire these things. Yeah, sure. I desire a private island and a 20 room mansion. That's not the kind of thing God is going to give you. But something that's according to his will, why would he deny that? So consult him. There's blessings when you consult him. Come on, this is good. Verse five says this, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. Verse seven says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I just might need to say this today for somebody here. If you haven't heard after you've consulted the Lord in all these ways, then you better stay put. You better stay put and be patient until the Lord tells you it's time to go, it's time to do this, it's time to do that. Because if you move out in front, you know what you could do? You could have an Ishmael. 
you could do something that has long-lasting ramifications. I'm almost done. Stay with me. Let me just tell you this. God is angry with us when he is not consulted. So this isn't really an option. It's not something that is just like, eh, if you feel like doing it. No, God actually is angry when he does not get consulted. Well, you say, Pastor, how, how do people not consult the Lord? I'll tell you this. People read horoscopes. They go for tarot card readings. They buy a new self-help book from some guru who speaks all this kind of gibberish. They do all kinds of things to try to figure out what they should do in this life instead of seeking the Lord. And God gets angry with us, his people, when he's not consulted. Hosea chapter 4 tells us this, and we may have that verse come up for you. Verse 12, and it says, My people inquire of a piece of wood, and they... And their walking staff gives them oracles. In other words, he's upset that they're not seeking him. They're literally holding their walking stick and they're like, okay, if I drop it like this and it lands that way, that's where I should go. No, don't do that. Consult the Lord. Then verse 13 continues and it says, they're going and sacrificing on the tops of the mountains and they're burning offerings on the hills under oak and poplar trees and terebinth because the shade is good and they're not coming to the house of God and consulting him. This is a warning, a stark warning for us. So there are consequences when he is not consulted, but there's good consequences when he is And there are bad when he is not. Let me just tell you some that I see in scripture that we've already kind of talked about. Some bad consequences when God is not consulted is confusion, chaos. You say, pastor, is every bit of confusion and chaos in my life a result of God? No. Could be your own stupidity. Or you could be that popular with the devil that he really wants to take you down. But a lot of times... There are consequences because we didn't consult the Lord and we walked headfirst into something that was dangerous. The Bible says when people didn't consult the Lord that death, physical death happened. That famine happened in the entire land. That barrenness happened. You say, well, pastor, anybody who can't get pregnant, is that a judgment from God? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, based in scripture, there were moments that God didn't allow good things to happen to the people Because they didn't consult him. And you know what those things were meant to do? Was cause them to turn and ask God for help. Just like David did when he said, God, what gives? Why why are we having this famine? And he said, well, your predecessor Saul is the one who's at fault. He killed Gibeonites and y'all made a promise to them. And we are going to keep that promise. So once that was rectified, then God healed the land. The Bible says, and I shared this recently with you, you're familiar with the passage, 2 Chronicles chapter um, 7, verse 14, talking about my people, if they will pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God says he will hear us. The other consequences that are bad that happen are punishments of various sorts and being unfulfilled is a result Of not consulting the Lord. But there are good ones too. Like peace with God. Provision. It is prominent in scripture. 
and lacking no good thing, for those that seek the Lord, God takes care of them. Amen? That's a good thing. Maybe your takeaway today is that there's something that you are enduring right now and you can pinpoint and say, it's because I didn't consult the Lord. If that's the case, I encourage you to confess your sin. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. When we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us. So, Lord, I didn't consult you before fill in the blank. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you give me grace? Would you heal me? Would you heal my family, my marriage, my job, my God, would you help me? Maybe your takeaway is that you just need to determine today that for all the next steps in your life, you're going to consult the Lord. That you're not going to wait for somebody else to tell you. That you're not just going to ask your buddies or your friends what you should do. But you're going to determine today. And you just say, God, you know what? I can't remember a time where I haven't consulted you and that I haven't talked with you about already. But God, today I want to determine and say to you, I promise I'm not going to go before you tell me to go. I'm not going to move where you tell me not to go. I'm going to just step in the places of your will. Remember, the reason why we should seek the Lord is because we trust him, because he loves us, he cares for us. Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us. Let us be reminded today of the various ways that we can consult you. And Lord, I pray that you truly would forgive our failings. Lord, forgive me of the times that I haven't consulted you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to move forward in the direction of your choosing, not ours. And Lord, that you would have a constant reminder before your people to consult with you, to seek the Lord. Lord, your word promises that they can seek me and when they seek me with their whole heart, they will find me. So God, today we take these last few moments together to seek you and consult with you. Let's do that.